since the early 1980s, hard-hitting bands such as Petra, Striper, White Cross, and Bloodgood would forever change the boundaries of Christian music. The Rock That Makes Me Roll podcast brings commentary, analysis, and guest speakers from today's and yesterday's top artists and bands. Now, Podbean.com brings you The Rock That Makes Me Roll podcast with your host, Sean Fagan. He's the rock. Welcome to another Rock That Makes Me Roll podcast. As always, I am your host, Sean Fagan. I am very, very happy that you guys are here with us again. 
And uh, just want to continue to tell you how much I appreciate all the people listening out there. Uh, Each day the number grows more and more, and I am just so grateful and honored that you guys are taking time to listen to this podcast. Uh, I want to apologize. It's been a little while since I've been able to have a podcast. I was kind of sick there for a while and then had some... uh, uh, some uh, other personal things going on that just kind of took away from my time. Uh, I The interview you're going to hear today is uh, with the band called About a Mile. Uh, it's with the lead vocalist Adam Clutinati. Uh And I recorded this about a week and a half, two weeks ago, and just unfortunately have not been able to get it out. And uh, so I just want to thank Adam for being patient with me. Uh, and allowing me time to recuperate before I get this up and rolling. Um, a lot of things going on in the music world today. Uh, I am extremely excited about the new Striper album that will be released on the 16th, uh, Counting Down the Days. Uh, a lot of good music on there, a lot of new sound. Uh, and I just want to say thanks again to Striper for allowing me to use their Rock That Makes Me Roll song. Uh, as as my title song for this podcast, and uh, they've been a huge influence in my life. And this album, uh, I have to say, is by far probably the best album that they've ever put out. Uh, I love all their old stuff, but I really like this new stuff too. Uh, you can check it out on YouTube. Uh, also, check it out on Michael Sweet's Facebook page and also Striper's Facebook page. Uh, they've been posting stuff about it. I did hear Michael in a podcast today, or not a podcast, but a uh, a uh, video that he posted up to um, Twitter and YouTube stating that they will have a couple music videos coming out. Um, specifically, I'm not sure which songs, but right around the release date on the 16th, they will have music videos coming out for the songs. Uh, so I'm extremely excited about that, too. And I really encourage you, if you haven't already done so, to go on out there and pre-order their album. Uh, if you pre-order it, you get four free downloads of uh, the song for their songs and uh, a chance to have the, if you order it from their site, the band, um, for so many people that, that order, they're giving away free autographs too. So if you're a Striper fan or even if you're not a Striper fan and just curious, uh, it's usually cheaper if you pre-order. I encourage you to get out there and pre-order those albums. Uh, I also found out, I think in our last podcast, I know I said something about Viridia having a new album coming out. They do have the Pretty Lies album coming out. It's already been released. Um, a lot of the music on it. The official hard copy release is today. Um, they are actually, as as I am speaking right now, they have a, have a live broadcast going on of their final tour uh, for the this leg of their tour that they're doing. And uh, I'm sure they'll have more dates coming up in the near future uh, for uh, the songs off the Pretty Lies album. I was hoping to be able to bring you an update uh, from our first guest, As We Are. I was supposed to see them here uh, in one of the local venues, uh, and that concert got canceled, so I was not able to bring that to you either. Apologize for that. They are supposed to be back up here next year. Uh, I am in communication with them, and uh, we're going to try to get them in the Springfield area, uh, Springfield, Ohio area, at some point in in the next uh, six to eight months, hopefully. So when that comes about, I will definitely let you guys know, and you can check out my podcast and see what all's going on with them currently, too. Uh, reaching out uh, for other podcasts, uh, for uh, members of Jeremy Camp's band, 
I'm trying to get to third day and uh, mercy me. I do have one definitely coming up with Blist, uh, the David, the lead singer from Blist. I will be interviewing him here in a couple weeks, and you'll be hearing that with the next podcast that comes out. And again, I, I appreciate him being patient with me uh, as I get over everything I've got going on here and kind of get through some of the personal stuff I have going on too. So we want to get started with the interview. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about the band here, About a Mile. Adam, Luke, and Levi Kutnati, they are all brothers, started playing at a very early age. Their father was a musician. These guys uh, have a very unique sound and uh, one that a lot of people really enjoy. I got the opportunity of seeing these guys in concert several times during last year's Winter Jam Tour. Got a chance to watch them do one of my favorite Toby Mac songs, Jesus Freak. And uh, they kind of added it to the end of one of their songs. You're going to hear us talk a little bit about that later on. Uh, the songs were all kind of written as part of life, things that have happened to them. As with, as with most musicians, some of the songs you know come from that. But these guys, almost every song they do has to do with a life event that inspires their music. And Adam talks um, pretty seriously about the fact that He's able to put together songs. Uh, he even has a Facebook page set up for the band, and he in, is requesting that that fans write in with their problems and that uh, he's able to put a song to their problems as a way to kind of minister them and help them. And And uh, I just think it's really cool. It's a, it's a really neat thing that he has going on. You're going to hear him talk about what I think is pretty interesting uh, in the direction that their music career is going in and how they plan on producing music from here on forward. It's something that I was a little shocked to hear, and it's not something you hear very often, but I think they have a good plan, and I see these guys being around for a very long time to come. I know the the opportunity that I got to actually speak with them, um, not just this time, but also the first time I met them out on tour with Winter Jam. Uh, They are very cool guys go out of their way to make sure they stop and pray for somebody um and they are are very sincere about what they're doing they're not just doing it uh fly by night they're very intentional about the things that they do so without further ado let's uh get into the interview we'll be back with about a mile in just a moment the rock that makes me roll podcast Let your song be the song I sing Through the blessings and burdens this life will bring In you alone I'm satisfied Through the struggles I face When contentment Starts to fade Through the constant wandering When my doubt is crippling And this will be my This will be my prayer Let your song be the song I sing 
I'm honored to be able to talk to Adam from the band About a Mile. How are you? I'm doing great, man. How are you? I am doing wonderful. It's good to be able to talk to you. Yeah, man. Thanks for thanks for calling. I appreciate it. Sure. Your last name is spelled or uh, pronounced Clutie. No, it's Clutnotty. Clutnotty. Okay. I wasn't sure. I saw it written a couple different ways, but I figured that the way I was saying it was not correct. So <laughs> I'm <laughs> glad you glad you clarified that for me. I want to take a minute, man, just kind of explain the podcast to you. The podcast is set up, the Rock That Makes Me Roll podcast is set up so that uh, bands like yourself uh, are able to have a platform to speak out, tell a little bit about yourself, a little bit about what you stand for, uh, and kind of what direction your music's going in. And uh, I, I kind of came up with the idea because I, I listened to Eddie Trunk a lot, and it just kind of hit me one day after one of the Winter Jams last year that, you know, there's a lot of excellent, superb musicians in the Christian world that just do not get uh, 
the opportunity to speak openly about you know stories about themselves about their history and about the band and and where they came from and and where they're going and I just wanted to be able to give the opportunity to the musicians out there to have that platform to stand on. So that's kind of what we're about. I'm 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 about giving you guys the opportunity to have a place to go and and or come and speak to anyone that wants to listen and I know there's a lot of people out there that want to listen. So that's what we're here for. Dude, that's awesome, man. Thanks. Yeah, sure. All right, so there's a lot of people out there that have probably not heard of you, and there's probably just as many that have. So for those that haven't heard of you and don't know about a mile, why don't you tell us just a little bit about yourself? All right, yeah, sounds good. Well, about a mile is myself and my brothers, Luke and Levi. And uh, we started playing the worship music at a church, in uh, high school because a buddy of mine led the music there with his acoustic and he's like, man, I'd like to have a band behind me. And we said, yeah, well, it sounds fun. Let's try it out. And we did it and then started writing songs for the, you know, a few hundred kids that were going to that youth group and then people started booking us for shows. And honestly, ever since then, it's just been a thing where we say, God, if you keep opening doors, for us to play music it's a good way to get the gospel message out so we'll keep doing it and yeah i mean that's that's what we've been doing ever since that's awesome now you have it looks like are there two albums out that you guys actually have yeah um right we were still in high school like a, two years after we got that gig we decided well let's put out an album um and i kind of had plans to pitch it to major labels someday and, and say, hey, you know, we, we actually have a really cool sound. You guys should give us a record deal and, and see if anything comes out of it because I like doing music and, and writing songs a lot and I just felt like that would be the way to at least be able to get somebody's attention. You can't really knock on anyone's door and say, hey, I don't have anything for you to listen to. So while we had the chance, we said, let's go in the, into the studio and, and you know, make a little bit, uh, make some kind of disc. So we made like a three-song demo. And then uh, a lot of people bought it, so we used the money from that to make an album. I think there was 14 songs on that album. And we put that stuff out, and eventually Ian Esklin, our producer, found us and said, I like you guys a lot. I'm going to get you guys signed a word. And that's what happened. Wow. Then we made, then we made record two with Word. And nobody can. I have a, I have some a box of the old album left, and and people mention it from time to time. But most people don't know about it. It's not as professional as our word album. So, you know, the marketing team over there took all that stuff down to put out the new album, which is a wise decision. But I have that available to put it back up eventually. It's good. I'm I'm very proud of both of them. I think they're. We work really hard on albums, and it's important to us to make sure that the album is good before. You put it out, so it's something we can go look back at where we were at that point in our lives and say, "Man, we're really proud of of what we made for you know a bunch of high school kids." And then the next one, you know, the self titled album with Word, we were like, "Man, we're really proud of what we were able to do with our first major label album." 
Excellent, man. That's uh, and, and the original one was called uh, "Find Yourself," correct? Yeah. Okay, and that was released in 2009. And your current one, "About a Mile," uh, the self-titled one, is released here in uh, 2014. And uh, it looks like we have. Um, can, can you describe just a little bit of your uh, of your music? What it, to to those that have never heard it, uh, maybe this is the first time they've heard of you and they're listening. Can you tell them a little bit about what your music's like? What what kind of style is it? Yeah, I mean, it's, if you were to listen to our albums, kind of differ because we have a lot of different sounds. We you know kind of kind of cling to. We switch it up a little bit. Some of our stuff's a little more rocking. We have worship stuff. We need, like, we'll definitely put a worship album out someday. Um, we have a lot of singer-songwriter songs that we put out. And uh, you know, but the Word album, I would compare it to the sound of like a Matchbox 20 or a Lifehouse or a Chris Daughtry. Uh, it just kind of has that feel to it. Awesome. Uh, yeah. Uh, you, um, where did the name About a Mile come from? The name About a Mile came from the study of Jesus carrying his cross about a mile when it's mapped out. And we're called as Christians to take up our cross daily and follow him. And my brothers and I weren't convinced right away, but we were raised that what this was about. It's about, you know, having a relationship with Jesus and wanting to serve him with your life. And that's what we decided to dedicate this band to doing. Um, and I don't know where we're going to be at in the future we didn't know how it was going to last but we said you know we're we started doing this for god so as long as we're doing this we're going to keep doing it for god and and it's just kind of a good name to to describe the call that we feel like this band's dedicated to that's very interesting uh I, I've heard that you've had, uh, and you had during the making of the album, you had an illness, and that that um, was a huge factor in some of the songs that you, that were written on this album. Can you kind of talk a little bit about what was going on with you and how that affected you during the you know writing process of this? Yeah, um, it, it drove me crazy. It was the first sickness I ever really had. I never. Sick. I was in, you know, a cold once in a while, and then like right whenever we started making the album and got introduced to the label, I was hit with this chronic uh, disease called ulcerative colitis, and it just destroyed my health. I lost eighty pounds, and it, it was hard because it wasn't something that I could just recover from in a week and then I'd be okay. I struggled with it for four years, um, and it's just like the most unsexy disease you could ever really have. I mean, your colon breaks and you crap out all the blood in your body and, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's not fun at all. It's, there's a lot of pain. It, it messes with your mind because you don't have any nutrients in your body. It's, it's hard to do anything really. Um, and I look back now though, it's just the biggest blessing in the skies because, you know, there's so many, um, bands that are out there that, you try not to mention that stuff in the press and everything. So, well, you don't want to talk about if this is not to to put out there. But we don't really care about that stuff. We want to be a band that reaches out to the people that you know nobody else is writing songs for, or nobody is talking about their story, and say, you know, hey, we're not afraid to put our walls down and, and talk about the real issues that go on in everyday life. Um, so we're all struggling with something. And, 
everybody's hurting. Life is hard. I don't care who you are. You're dealing with something that you were not there. And it's nice to be able to say, you know, I have this disease. And almost every show, somebody comes up to me and says, hey, I have that disease or I have Crohn's disease. Or, you know, even people that have cancer or something that they're dealing with and they say, hey, I, I just, you know, your, your testimony is such a test, uh, testimony to me. Um, so it's a blessing. Um, I think a lot of times our biggest trials do end up being our biggest testimony. And that, uh, the, because of that, uh, you wrote this song. Uh, there was a couple of them. I think you said that um, Who You Say You Are was written during that time. You said that was written during the darkest hour that you had. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I was going to kill myself just because I couldn't, I couldn't do anything. I was too sick to get out of bed. It's been, it had been three years at the time of just being miserable. And, um, you know, it wasn't necessarily even the feeling bad for myself. I felt bad for the people that had to take care of me. Like, I, I was such a burden on everybody. It felt like I, I couldn't I couldn't do anything. You know, I couldn't contribute to society because I was sick. Um, so... I, I remember praying and saying, God, if you're there, um, you know, you have to help me with this because I'm trying to to look on the bright side in this opportunity, in this situation. Everything is just so dark on me now. And I'm in constant pain. I mean, you stub your toe and, you know, that's, that's all you think about while that's hurting. But imagine, like, the worst pain you felt. There's been worse pains, but it was the worst pain I've ever felt in my stomach all the time for three years. All I wanted to do was not hurt anymore. Um, but I had the decision to say, well, God is not real, and I'm just struggling through this pain for no reason. And in that case, I would definitely choose to kill myself. I think you'd be not to. But the other end of the point is saying, no, there is a God, and he does have a plan for this, and he does understand my situation. And he does work out all things to the good of those who love him. And choosing to believe that uh, our healer can heal, our Savior saves, and that God is actually who he says he is. Um, that's where the song came from. Wow, that is such a powerful story. I, I heard also, I, 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 we actually saw you at, uh, I think, between my daughter and I and my, my – I've got two daughters. I think between the three of us, I think we hit probably four of the Winter Jam concerts, and we actually met That's you awesome. – Yeah. We met you guys out uh, in Indiana, uh, out on the street. You actually signed a disc for me. It was the first time I'd ever met you and got a chance to talk to you. So, um, And and the fact I, – I remember walking back with my daughter, and, and she looked at me and said – you know, she said that was such a cool thing, the way he stopped and looked at you and was interested in you and the way, you know, that, that he asked about you and where you're from and, and all that. You know, you guys really paid special attention to people, and that was really cool, man. But I, I all that to say, we heard uh, the story about uh, the song Satisfied, and, uh, and for those that haven't heard it, can you tell a little bit about where that song came from? Yeah, I came from my dad uh, losing his job at the steel mill. He's a tough guy, so I didn't see him cry very often. One day he came home with tears in his eyes, and he said, I lost my job. We have six kids in our family. And I remember saying, Dad, you know, how are we going to eat? 
And as soon as I showed concern, he wiped the tears away and he said, I'm not the provider for the family. The Lord is the provider for the family. And, uh, you know, it's just seeing his safety so strong. It was such a cool thing. And that's, I think, why, you know, his example um, and his faithfulness is a huge part of why I believe. Uh, I'm not saying that you believe just what your parents believe. I'm the most naive person there is. I don't believe anything tells me. Anybody tells me, but you have to look into the word of God for yourself and figure out, hey, is this book true or is it just another book? And and the truth is that it is true. Uh, I think without that, we're just a bunch of people that are arguing about our opinions. And, uh, you know, watching his faith made me realize that I have everything I need in Christ um, if I just am able to look into the Bible and understand who he is and have a relationship with him. That's gr- that's a great story, man. I really appreciate that. Um, the uh, the one song that we completely enjoyed, I mean, they were all good, but the one that was probably the most fun uh, during the concerts that we saw was your uh, In With The Out crowd, and then you guys jammed Jesus Freak afterwards, man. That was awesome. <laughs> that was good stuff. Thanks, man. Yeah. All right, and I see here uh, in, in some of the notes, actually, I heard this from, uh, I didn't realize this until I heard this on, a, there's a guy named Rick Lee James. Do you remember him by chance? He opened yeah, for you. Yeah, I do. Okay. I was listening to one of his podcasts, and uh, he had mentioned that you guys were nominated this year for a Dove Award. Um, what Dove Award was that? Uh, I think that's for New Artist of the Year. New Artist of the Year. Okay. Well, congratulations, man. You guys deserve it. Thanks, man. I, I appreciate that. Um, I don't really get too excited about that kind of thing. It's not really what I'm into, but I appreciate it, and, and I think it's cool. Well, you know, kind of like Rick said, it's not about it's not about the... Uh, you know, getting the award. It's just about recognizing that you guys are are, you know, stepping up the game in the service that you're doing and and you know, it's just to recognize that. I, you know, I think it's I think it's I think that's the best way to look at it. I mean, I understand where you're coming from, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's it's something that I didn't fully understand when I was younger and I was super into that stuff. I said, "Wow, we could sign a major record deal and we could go off and like win Grammys and and do all this stuff, but you know, once you do everything that you can on your end and you just see how the industry works a little bit more i'm not sure that we're supposed to be a very big band i don't think that we're ever going to be a band that blows up super huge and and you know drives around in a tour bus and and just gets those kind of opportunities i'm not worried about getting those opportunities if they come i praise the lord but i don't i don't pray for those things anymore i just try to meet people at the need that they're at on a smaller level because we're in a situation where, you know, we're just a bunch of broke kids with connection to any of that stuff. Like the only thing we can offer is a passion for lost souls. I think our music's good and and we're willing to go sleep on the pavement and look every kid in the eye at the shows and say, Hey, let me pray for you right now. And I think our industry needs a band like that desperately. And, you know, maybe, maybe getting too big, would just turn into a problem. And I think that goes back to what I was saying earlier about when we met you on the street. It was, 
that kind of attention, that 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 one-on-one attention, and I saw you do it with other people too. I mean, it was the direct eye contact and the communication, and the fact that you're saying, "Hey, it's nice, nice to meet you where you're at," you know. And yeah, it was uh, it was a really, it, it was really a neat thing, and and I want to tell you that we appreciate it, and I know other people do too. So I I I see where you're coming from with that, you know. Yeah, man. I mean, it's. I think that's what God has called us to do. Like, uh, that's what we've been doing. And I always thought, you know, well, that's what everyone does. But the truth of the matter is that's not what everyone does. Like, that's why we're in the industry, because God wanted a band to to be willing to be able to do that. So we're just going to go play for the smaller crowds. And, and uh, you know, I I did the label thing and made a big record with them and, and you know, tried to understand the radio touring and, how all that stuff works, but like, I don't, I don't know how that stuff works. It's just not in my nature to be good at that part of it. I'm just good at writing songs and, and trying to reach a need on a personal basis. So, you know, it, it, it brings a lot of joy to my heart. I used to think, well, we have to do well and and sell records and, and get it out there. But, you know, I don't, I don't care about that stuff anymore. It's just something I feel like, can steal your joy if you overthink it. Maybe it's just something where the kid across the street is the kid that you need to do anything to right now. And if we look at those situations um, in our everyday lives instead of, well, what can I do to to get to a bigger crowd or what can I do to get my album on the radio? I don't understand how that part of the game works. And I, I really don't care about that part of the game anymore. Um, like, I have so much more freedom and so much more joy not worrying about that aspect anymore. It's not something where I have to believe in myself less if radio doesn't play my music or if we're not on a tour bus or if we're not playing in front of big crowds. Um, You know, that's what it used to be. But now I, I understand that, you know, sometimes the better songs and the better artists are people that nobody knows about. But I feel like God might be the most happiest and the most pleased with his servants, you know, playing in nursing homes that nobody ever knows about. They're not doing it for recognition. They're doing it because they have a passion for souls. And, you know, there's probably somebody that said, you know, I'm going to just drop everything and move to Africa and play guitar for kids there and try to teach people about Christ that don't know him. Those are real heroes in my mind. Um, and I, I don't think that's right for everybody. I was seeing that you know, that looks like the best thing and joy isn't always the best thing for everybody. But God has a different plan for everyone. And playing the smaller crowds and being willing to go out on the street and shake people's hands and look them in the eye, you know, that's that's something that we can't do for a massive band with these radio hits and stuff. So I'm not going to worry about it. I'm just going to assume that that's where God wants us to be and that's that's what we're going to do. Well, with that being said, let me ask you this. What was it like... Uh, what kind of experience did you have touring with, you know, the the bands, you know, during Winter Jam? Um, was it, I mean, did you learn a lot from them? Was it, I mean, did it did it kind of open your eyes to larger crowds? I mean, how did, I mean, just kind of based on what you were just talking about, how did that change or or keep your perspective the way it is? I liked it. It was such a blessing. It was a great opportunity to do that. 
Um, I would never get tired of it. You know, by the end of the tour, there were a lot of artists who were like, oh, man, I can't wait to take a vacation. I would have did a show at Winter Jam every single day for the rest of my life. Like playing in front of, you know, 25,000 people. Um, it's a blast. And I got along with all the guys from Winter Jam really well. All the bands were super cool and, and really nice, but, you know, it was cool. We had great opportunities from being able to go out and play on the street. That was my favorite part of it. I love doing that. And, and, you know, usually you kind of split that up with other bands, but a lot of times it would be snowing and, you know, people go, I'm not going out there in the snow. So we would get to go out, you know, twice as long. That was my favorite part about it. That's an interaction in those situations where you can pray for somebody, you know, give them a hug, um, just talk to them about something going on in their life. You can't do that from a stage, you know, in front of 25,000 people. So I, I, I don't complain about the other end of the spectrum, but experiencing both sides of it just makes you appreciate where you're at even more. I feel like we could walk away from it being like, oh my gosh, like we're not playing arenas anymore. But, you know, we just walked away thankful and um, there was more understanding about what it's like to play a big arena. I mean, bands like Skillet, Jeremy Camp, um, who else, you know, some of the huge bands, Hillsong, uh, I, I don't know what they do. Well, I mean, yeah, I do, honestly. Their lines are going to be too big at the end of the night for them to go out and play with everybody there because they're just so popular, you know? And maybe that will be us someday. That'd be awesome. But uh, being able to go out there and meet every single person in our lines, you know, maybe there'll be a couple hundred people there at the end of the night. But every single one of them we met and we were able to pray with everyone that needed prayer. And some people, you know, found Christ because they asked us, you know, how do I have a relationship with Jesus Christ? And if we were too popular, it's not that we wouldn't want to do that. Even John from Skillet tried to come out every single night and meet as many people as possible. But, you know, it's obvious. There's just too many. If you were to meet all 25,000 people that wanted to meet Skillet, and, uh, you know, if if the whole band went out there and every single guy in the stadium that wanted to ask Jen Ledger on a date was able to go stand in line, we would never be able to get to the tomorrow show because you'd be out there for 10 hours. Right. But we could, we could take two hours and meet everybody because we're a smaller band. So, I mean, the perspective on how things work whenever you get a lot bigger made us more thankful and, and even want to work harder at the opportunities we have now because we have a show tomorrow I don't know who it's going to be for. There might be a couple thousand people there. There might only be a hundred people there. But either way, it's going to be a relatively small crowd um, for a major label band. And, or, you know, for it's, it's going to be a small crowd for a band that's been on Winter Jam. And we'll be able to meet everybody and we'll be able to pray with everybody just because it's small enough that we have the time to do that. So, you know, there, there's, there is a change in my heart after being on Winter Jam. It says, man, I... I'd like to, to be in that situation, but you know what? While we're in this situation, um, we're definitely not going to worry about, a, you know, changing it. We're not going to be anxious. We're going to do what God has us doing right now to the best of our abilities and take full advantage of the opportunity. Certainly. Totally understand that, and I just commend you for, for that attitude. I think that that is – I think it's awesome, man. I just do. I think it's cool. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it was a good question, really, because 
I didn't have that attitude as much before Winter Jam. You know, like I, I'm so free right now, and it uh, it would drive me crazy. It was it was all I thought about. How do we make this work? How do we get radio to give you know give us a chance? How do we get um, our music in front of more people? How do we get on this tour? How do we get this booking agent? And and now it's like. Man, you can be excited about those, and you can seek those opportunities, but don't get anxious about them. Sure, that makes sense. That makes total sense. Yeah, anxiety gets you nowhere. <laughs> it doesn't at all. No, it just, it just tr- makes you crazy, honestly. Yeah, just trust God and let God get you where you need to go. Sometimes yeah, that's hard. Sometimes that's harder said than done, but I, I totally understand. Been there myself. So, <laughs> hey, uh, wanted to talk to you a little bit. I heard or read actually about. Um, which it was something caught my attention was um, you do guitar uh, competitions or have done them for like Guitar Center, and I there was something you had said in an article that I read about kind of your thoughts behind doing it. Uh, I, I can't I don't know if you remember that article or not or that interview. Can, can you share some of that with me? Yeah, I did some guitar competition, um, some blues thing. I like playing guitar a lot, and uh, you know I did really really well at it, but. I didn't really pursue it because I like the opportunity to write songs. I wanted to sign up with a label, an album. Like that's uh, that's where my heart is the most. If you can't get lyrics out, how are you going to get a message out? But at this stage, I've written enough songs and listened to enough people's opinions on how to write songs to know that I can kind of just do what I want at this point. You know, I, I learned a lot from uh, you know, Spencer over at Word, who was helping the ship on the songs we were writing and uh, I used to co-write with a lot of guys um, and I learned a lot of stuff and now I can you know, say well I'm gonna, I'm gonna put in some more of the stuff I want to do and the songs from now on are gonna have a lot more of the guitar that I come up with on them just because I always like playing guitar but you look at the industry that we're in and just how it's done and you kind of try not to fix what's not broken at a label in some of these situations say like, well, nobody's doing a guitar solo on the radio, so why put a guitar solo in? And that's what we did with the first album, but I'm at the point now, and I think that was a good thing, but at this point, I'll, I kind of just want to put more guitar in. I don't think it's a problem, and it's kind of nice to be able to say, well, I'm just going to try what nobody's doing. If nobody's doing it, that's probably what we're supposed to be doing. They need somebody to do that. So, it's just uh, something that we put on the shelf for a couple of years because we were trying to get better at writing songs and work on an album. I mean, guitar always came pretty easy for me, but songwriting was, was difficult for a while. How did you learn to write songs? I mean, what what kind of helped you get to that next level? Well, my dad always wrote songs. He's really good. Um, like Looking back now, I just realized, like, dang, my, my dad was super good at writing songs, and they're always kind of like a singer-songwriter thing. Like, I remember writing our first album. Like, I was only like 12 when we wrote the very first one. I know a lot of people haven't heard that album. But it was so fun back then. And the songs were pretty good, but they were always directed toward a specific topic. And those songs are always super easy. I actually write a song a day like that. Um, and I, I actually have been posting them to our Facebook. I People will write and say, like, hey, I'm in a wheelchair. And... You know, I'm worried about finding a husband because I just don't feel like I'm on the same playing field as everybody since my legs don't work. I'm like, geez, I'm going to write a song about that. So those, those songs are really easy to write for me, the singer-songwriter 
saying. And I feel like they're not going to reach as many people, but there's a crowd that would, you know, like encouragement in that area. Those songs always came a little bit easier, but when we got with a label, I learned so much from their guidance and then just saying like, hey, you know, this is just too weird or this is too out there or, you know, this is too long or just cut this part out and it makes it better. And, you know, nobody knows everything. You can always learn from people that have been doing it for a long time. And, you know, just practice makes perfect. You write enough songs that they just start getting better and better. And the thing about exercising that muscle, I guess, once you do it and, and try it enough times and have success at it, you just know how to do it from then on. Yeah, if anything I write now, it's going to be a little bit better than I, something I would, was writing five years ago. So you just get better and better as you do it. Okay, I've got a couple questions here for you. Um, and these came from Rick James. So um, he wanted me to ask you, first of all, if him opening for you uh, kind of gave you the bump you needed to get to that next level. Yeah, I mean, I'd say the only reason we're still banned probably is just just that guy's presence on the stage <laughs> before us. <laughs> And he also wanted me to ask you if um, you had ever played at the Grand Ole Hatchery in Dixon. No, I, I actually haven't heard of that. You haven't heard of that? He said he was from down around where you guys are at right now um, at one point in time. Um, but he he wanted me to ask if you had played there too. So there, there Rick, I've asked him and you've got your answer. <laughs> Rick's a good guy. Yeah, he is. He's been a friend of mine for quite a few years now. I was when he moved up to Ohio, um, I was going to the church that he uh started going to and so I've gotten to know Rick really well. So um let me ask you this. Any tour plans for two thousand fifteen, two thousand sixteen, any major tour plans or are you just kinda picking up dates wherever you can get them right now? Um we are just kind of picking up dates right now. We're switching our booking agent, um, and we're actually kind of changing everything. Every every website, every uh, you know picture. <clears throat> we're just redoing everything right now, and that'll kind of be revealed next month. So just there's a lot happening, and we're kind of busy getting out new music just because we move pretty quick as far as writing and just direction music wise i like putting things out faster than ever three years so we're gonna try to get some new music out so people can hear an updated version of our sound and what we're doing uh next month and being in the studio and busy it's just kind of nice and have quite as many shows we were playing like uh four shows a week all summer and they were great shows we've had some great opportunities this summer but we have a show tomorrow somewhere, I don't even know, but, like, it's slowing down a little bit. We only have, like, two a week, and uh, we're just kind of picking them up day by day um, for now. There's no big tour we're jumping on. Any new music in the works? Obviously, you said you guys are working on, on some stuff. You just said uh, any idea when you may have a new album coming out? Um, I don't know if we'll ever make another album again, honestly. I mean that's just that's just the truth. I uh, we're gonna just put out music each day. I mean we put out this album and uh, it's just hard to spend you know a quarter million dollars 
or whatever the label put into an album just to pitch you know a couple songs to radio and then if that blows up awesome but if it doesn't nobody even hears the rest of the songs like i'd rather just put one song out and then put that song out and and by the time we make a whole album like our sound's going to change again just because i like writing a lot of different kinds of music and we like playing a lot of different kind of music so we have new music coming out and and i just think albums are going to be a thing of the past soon like i don't know much about I don't claim to know much about anything, all right? But, like, it's not the same as it used to be. Before, people would make an album, and you'd hear one song on the radio, and the labels would make a lot of money, and the bands would be doing okay, too, because everybody would go spend $12 on that album. Now, nobody's going to buy an album. If you like a song that you hear on the radio, you're going to download that one song for $1 on iTunes instead of spending 12 at your record store just going to do what most kids do and get it on Spotify or listen to it on YouTube for free. So I uh, am not positive, but I think people are just going to be putting out singles more in the future. And that's what we're going to do for now. So we have the best song though that we've made, in my opinion. I, I tend to like the new thing the best, but we have our best song we've ever done coming out next month. So check out the page and stay tuned. So you can, if whoever wanted to find that, where can we find it? On your on your web page, on your Facebook? Where where would be the best places to find that? Uh, Facebook, about a mile. You can check it out there. Awesome. Awesome. Any final thoughts for those listening right now? No, I just, uh, just want to say hi, Rick. I guess he must have told you about us. But uh, I was just listening to his basement songs. DVD and uh, it's pretty good. Um, I uh, want to uh, just say this is the day the Lord has made. Rejoice and be glad. And thank you for having us on for the interview. I mean, that's super cool. Excellent, man. Well, I really appreciate you being with us. And uh, would you mind if I threw a couple of your songs on here so people can kind of get a taste? Those that haven't heard you get a taste of what uh, what you're like. Yeah, dude. Anything you want, man. Let's like. Whatever, whatever you want to do, I'm I'm totally down for. I appreciate what you're doing. You're right. There's not a lot of avenues for um, people to hear more about Christian music, so we need all the help we can get. Certainly. Well, I really appreciate what you guys are doing. Tell your brothers I said hey, and hopefully we'll see you out on the road sometime. Okay. Yeah, man. Thank you so much. God bless. Okay, appreciate, it, man. God bless you too. Bye bye now. Bye. 